Welcome to the first episode of the Takedown Podcast. I'm Ethan Harley with my other co-host, Holden Velasco. Hello, nice to meet all of you. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny, we kind of, so I'm a big UFC guy, more particularly MMA, but UFC is what I follow the most, I would say, and Holden's a big boxing guy, so it's funny because we would always like text each other, like events that we should watch because both of both of us are more amateur in the opposite sport, and I really want to get into boxing as well. Possibly for holding for UFC, I, I I won't speak on his behalf. But anyway, I just thought this would be like a really sick idea because this is kind of the opportunity where not only we could talk about our perspectives on events and combat sports, you know, as an as like a super fan, and then just as like an amateur fan. So I thought this would be the perfect idea, and you know, here we are. Here's our first episode. So let's get right into it. Um, first thing happened this past Saturday, Saturday night, Canelo fought his mandatory WBC, correct? Yeah, it's for the WBC. Yeah, his mandatory WBC opponent. And I got to say, <laughs> while I expected it to be a landslide for Canelo, I did not think Yildirim would just walk <laughs> into the boxing ring and just kind of hold his hands up the entire time to the point where even his coach was like, bro, you got to do something or I'm going to call this fight. And he just called the fight eventually because children just look dazed. He, he, in all honesty, he kind of looked like he just showed up for a paycheck. I mean, not not to kind of throw the guy under the bus. I mean, he had an impressive record. He seemed, you know, obviously a mandatory opponent is a mandatory opponent. And everyone knew after this fight, Canelo would be fighting uh, Joe Joey's... You Billy, got it. Come on. Billy Joe Sanders. <laughs> Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah. Saunders. Yes. Good job. <laughs> and you know, Yildirim was just kind of supposed to be like a walk in the park. You know, that's I feel like that's kind of how mandatory opponents go. But for for what I watched, it it, it seemed worse than what is supposed to be. Just to be brutally honest for the guy, I yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. Um... Mandatory challengers, you know, usually they're obviously not as good as the champions, but it's usually not that bad. I mean, honestly, he just stood there with his guard up and was just taking uppercuts and body shots the whole match. Um, I mean, credit for taking the fight, you know, respect for fighting the best fighter there, uh, boxer there is on the planet. He had something like 700 plus days off, um, Yildirim, so obviously that's tough. You know, boxing, combat sports in general, you have to be, con- uh, you have to be active. Um, that's what uh, Canelo said himself, because he said he wants to fight four or five fights this year, which is absolutely crazy. Um, that's unprecedented, especially for someone of his level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so like someone like that's like I don't know, like ten and five, like fighting four or five times in a year is not crazy. But someone like Canelo, who is the best boxer on the planet, fighting yeah. four or five times a year, uh, it's crazy. But hey, I'm not complaining. I get to watch him four, four or five times a year. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, the match. Yeah, oh my god, it wasn't. Call it a fight. I mean, it's like target practice. That's what the announcer was saying. It literally was just target practice. Yeah. But I mean, it's how the sport works. Um, he fought it. Well, respect. I also say this because respect to Yildrum because he stepped aside. Um, last fight for Canelo, you know, he beat Colin Smith. Uh, Yildrum was supposed to fight Canelo, but he stepped aside to let him get the other belt, uh, the WBA from uh, Smith. So respect for that. Um. Yeah, you know, but this fight is just—it was not even close. It was just another stepping stone. 
And like you said, we already knew that a uh, fight with Saunders was basically in place, but it wasn't officially announced until after the match. I mean, they had a video. Yeah. They had a video prepared for it. I mean, that, I mean that's how bad it was. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. I'm just happy that Canelo won and it wasn't an upset because now we get to see him go on to try to become the undisputed super middleweight, which has never happened in the three or four belt era. Um, so I think that definitely will help his case for the best Mexican boxer of all time, which is where he really wants to go. So I think, you know, it's it's good that he won, but I just wish it was a little more entertaining. But then again, it just shows you how absolutely a beast Canelo is. There's just yeah. levels. You can see that. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of when Israel Asana fought Paulo Costa. And to my knowledge, uh, Yildrum was kind of talking a lot beforehand, like saying he was going to do this, this, and this, and just kind of just showed up, like didn't do any of it. Yeah. He said, uh, I'm a changed man because he was more of a brawler before. Um, and he got a new trainer, Diaz, who said, oh, it's not the same boxers you saw 700 plus days ago. I didn't see a boxer. I saw a punching bag honestly but look i i can't be too disrespectful because you know i'm not a professional fighter but from a standpoint of someone who's trying to be critique i mean come on i mean i mean you talk all the time in boxing but that that was just pretty bad yeah it reminded me a lot of when adesanya fought costa back in september because you know they were going back and forth the entire time like on social media and then in the, the weigh-ins was pretty eventful when Costa handed him like a white belt, like to indicate that his jujitsu like sucked, and then Adesanya took it and threw it back at him. But then when the fight rolled around, I mean Costa just kind of stood there and you know ate a bunch of light kicks, and then eventually took a head kick to the head, took a kick to the head, and just dropped, and that was it. And you know Adesanya didn't take much damage, which is why he's already going to be fighting next week, which is somewhat of a quick turnaround, especially going for the double champ, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, but I, it, the, go ahead, my man. Uh, I was just gonna say it's I, another thought that I had is is what did this guy like do? Like, I mean, I guess he had like a full training camp, but it, it was interesting, you know, like when a fighter shows up and you know they work at least for UFC is six weeks. I assume it's somewhat similar for boxing, but to 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 work <laughs> for six weeks, like you know, like to the to your max level to make sure you're like in the best shape and then show up like that. It's just, it's just interesting. And it just kind of seems like he almost, you know, pissed all the work away. <laughs> That's just kind of what I thought. Yeah. Well, like I said, he's just, Canelo's just on another level, you know, um, credit to him. I'm sure he did the camp yield room, but I don't know what game plan they were going for. <laughs> Was it just, yeah, that's because Canelo has usually been a, you know, a slow starter. But when someone comes at him, that's when he responds with the counters. But besides that, like you said, he's been kind of slow to start. So I guess their plan was just to hope he started slow again and try to win on points. Honestly, I, I don't know. Because Yildrum landed one punch in the in the first round. One punch. I mean, I don't know. I literally don't have words for what I watched. Besides, oh, no, no. The Jay Balvin concert before. <laughs> that was amazing. That's sweet. That tweet you sent me was funny, where Yildrum was just, <laughs> yeah. Or what it was depicting was that Yildrum was just completely invested in the Balvin fight and totally forgot he was fighting <laughs> one of the best boxers in the world. <laughs> I know. Oh, it doesn't hit you until you know you're in the ring with him. It was funny seeing Jay Balvin walking down with Canelo, 
singing me hente. Oh my god, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also thought it was interesting that you know while Canelo is one of the greatest boxers in the world currently, and I think you know buying a ticket to see him because there were a lot of fans there. Florida doesn't really have that many restrictions, so perfect perfect place to host it <laughs> and make money. That at least for. I don't know, maybe like more like like people who are more invested in the boxing, you know, like I would have went to see like Canelo, no doubt. But I feel like if you wanted to see like a really good fight like happen, like that was just not it. And you basically just got shammed of your money. But <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair to Miami, it was an open stadium, you know, so to be fair, but still 15,000 people. Uh, I don't know, but whatever. But yeah, no. If you're buying a, a ticket to Canelo versus Yildirim, I'm expecting a good fight. Um, you deserve to be ripped off because that's not a good fight. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I mean, like, okay, I get it. I would buy a ticket purely for the fact I'm gonna see one of the greatest boxers of my generation fighting. Yeah. That's why I buy the ticket. But if I have the option to go to that or a fight against Saunders or a Smith fight, I'm choosing the other two, not the mandatory yeah. challenger for this guy who hasn't fought in 700 days plus 700 days granted obviously it's boxing you never know upsets happen but <laughs> this wasn't one of them yeah definitely next up we have so you said there was no opponent yet oh wait no you did say that there was no date yet but they did auction off the tofino lopez i guess like card per se to i believe it was i saw the app thriller yes thriller um thriller. it was it's a it's an interesting story so i'm not aware of i'm not sure how aware you are of boxing politics and how this works not entirely okay so basically what happened is lopez is signed with top rank right and top rank is affiliated with espn meaning all of his fights are on espn plus and which by the way complete sham because i know you had to experience this too with the mcgregor fight even though i, I live streamed it um totally legally um you have to pay for ESPN Plus and a pay-per-view, even if you're yeah. that complete sham. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, so all of his fights are on ESPN Plus, but there was a disagreement on uh, how much money he was making. So contractually, the minimum he could make was $1.25 million for the fight um, with top, top rank and ESPN Plus. Guess how much the fight sold for on live auction? So like a couple million. Six million. Jeez. Yeah, so <laughs> Lopez is getting 65% of that, which is $3.9 million, right? <laughs> and his opponent, George Cambosos Jr., is getting, uh, what is it, 35 which is $2.1 million. So Cambosos, the challenger, is making more money than the champion would if he would go with the original price. But it's funny because Top Rank eventually, when it went to live auction, uh, Top Rank decided to put a little bit more money with $2.3 million, which, you know, was basically a slap in the face. Uh, Matchroom put up 3.5 million, and then obviously Triller came with 6 million. But I think it's just interesting that Triller won because I'm not sure if you did you watch the Tyson Jones fight? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the person who hosted it. You know, they have Snoop Dogg on it. They host like all the Paul uh, fights. So <laughs> it would be an understatement to say it's definitely a different mix of audience. Than what are usually watching uh, ESPN, not ESPN fight, a boxing fight. So I think that's good for the sport in that case. You know, have younger gener generation fight because 
I'm I'm gonna say it now. There's probably gonna be a Paul fight on it, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you know it's good for the sport in that case. And hey, more money in the sport is always good. Yeah, because there'll definitely be random people who pay to see Jake Paul and not even know, or whichever Paul ends up fighting, and not really be completely aware of who's at the top of the card. Which I have a small feeling that kind of happened for. Jake Paul, Nate Robinson fight. Oh my God, that was hysterical. Is he was uh, you know, he was um, what's the word? Oh my God, I'm bad at English. You would think I'd be good being a writer. He was bragging. That's the word. He was bragging about being on one of the most bought pay per views of all time. One point six million buyers, I believe. Saying, oh yeah, we broke the record. It was me. People wanted to see. No, people wanted to see Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. <laughs> I mean, technically, he's not. You know, he's not wrong. He was on the card, but. 1.6 million people didn't didn't want to see you fight. I mean, sure, I'm sure a, a higher percentage of people wanted to see you versus the other undercard matches just because you're a famous YouTuber and you're fighting a very famous NBA player. Fine. But to claim the whole thing, like, he's like, I made it happen. He sounded like Trump. He's like, I made it happen. That was the one. Why they said, like, no, that's not why. I don't know. I sound like an old head boxing fan. But I do recognize that Triller winning this auction for it. Tiafima Lopez's next fight will bring in new fans, which is what boxing needs desperately. Yeah, I think, at least from what I remember watching from Jones versus Tyson, was there was like a different like feel to it. It felt more, and this might have been just because, you know, it was two legends and it wasn't like in like an entirely real boxing match when this will actually, you know, have some sort of like hardware on the line. Okay. Yeah. That it, there was more of like a fun atmosphere to it, and that it was it was just taken like more like lighthearted compared to like when I was watching like Canelo the other day. It, it felt more like a real like classic boxing match that you would watch. I don't know if that was just their plan because of you know what was on the card, or if that's usually how they broadcast their events that they buy. Yeah, Triller is like a social media app. It's an app, you know, it's yeah. it's, it's it's hip. Oh, man, I sounded old saying that. It's hip. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, so they wanted to have it be like in a whole event, you know, like a whole show, which, you know, mm-hmm. I'm all for um, to a degree because they had like a concert in between every fight, which is just like, yeah. oh, my God, kill me. And it was like it was like eight songs for one. I'm like, oh, I don't even know who this is. Stop. And like, okay, I'm going to say this. I love Snoop Dogg, but I, I can't take him as a commentator. Like even if he's saying, <laughs> even if he's saying legitimately good boxing things, it's just I can't take him seriously, no matter what, because I'm like, because all I hear is, "Hey, yo, that was a good left hook." Oh yeah, he got the shiz of my nizzle or something. I don't know. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't listen to that. I don't know. But hey, like I said, it's a hip, hip thing. New audience members that will like that, and hopefully that transcends into them becoming actual boxing fans. Yeah, I do think that definitely needs to be incorporated, especially because on top of boxing being more of like an old school sport, it's been around for a long time, I think. I don't even, I, don't know, I can't even think of an exact date off the top of my head. At least more than 80 years, I would say that, and that's. Oh no, that's a complete low ball. It's been around like forever. Oh yeah. Because it was yeah. one of the first combat sports. Yeah. Like invented in human history. It was one of the first <laughs> Olympic sports in history. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just naming a number that like, I knew it was easily higher oh, yeah, than, yeah. but. Lose my thought. 
I think just like while it's yeah while it's one of the oldest sports like around and especially like it's prime days I would say are, are a little bit behind I think while I think you know been around forever and I also think at least for me like trying to understand like how exactly it works it's a little bit harder just because there's kind of stuff all over the place that it doesn't all reside with one organization or one promotion that I think you know sort of including like this you call it hip I'll, <laughs> I'll call it hip as well this like hip style like media I think does like really capture like people who are on the outside who might want to get involved or at least you know will buy the car just because they you know most amateur fans know who Mike Tyson is maybe most amateur fans know who Roy Jones Jr. is I do think that brings in like just a different style and something new and more like modern rather than you know I, I reference back to last weekend's fight which like it felt like a classic boxing match like I can I feel like listening to the commentator I don't know who he is but sure I'm sure somebody famous to an extent it kind of like reminded me of like listening to like older tune fights like Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson and people like that yeah I mean like I said I love obviously like old style fights you know but at the same time I know that this sport has to evolve every sport's evolved in some way look at basketball uh, I can't even you can name so many things in so many ways basketball has transcended every other sport too um obviously it's tougher to get into boxing because it's so confusing like the politics of it but with triller you know them being more hip i love that word now uh, <laughs> that being more hip um they can show new fans what it is and i love that you bring up that you know the, the the problem with boxing because it's hard to get into but one like after let's say they see the i don't know jake paul fight let's say that's what's on the card and then you see some dude come out with four or five belts on him. You're like, oh, shit. Okay, this dude's pretty cool. Then you stay and watch the Brooklyn boy throw some bombs. Um, so hopefully that turns into more Lopez fans, which turns into more boxing fans. Um, it's like Ryan Garcia. He's an absolute star solely for the reason he, he has so many followers on social media. Obviously, he's a great boxer. One of the biggest rising stars in the game, if not the. But like, if he get, does the same thing, it's the same thing with the trailers, what I'm trying to say. You look at Ryan Garcia, right, who is one of the biggest rising stars in the game, if not the, but that's solely because of his social media influence, you know, because he has fast hands, and people like to see that. Something as simple as that can turn into a real fan, which I hope can happen with this trailer fight, if they see a man come out with, like, four or five belts on him thinking that's cool, and hear Snoop Dogg go, hey, yo, that dude's cool, or something, I don't know. I don't know what Snoop Dogg sounds like, I don't know what Snoop Dogg says, no, I'm kidding. But hopefully, something like that happens. Yeah, I completely agree, and I also, like, at least... You know, pay-per-view is also kind of hard to follow because that's also like a lot of like, you know, separate people, you know, all trying to make money because it's pay-per-view and that money, most of the money goes directly to you and then also to the fighter, but it just stays within your realm. When you had texted me about Lopez's last fight being on ESPN Plus, I was like, wow, that's the first time I've ever heard of that, your fight being on ESPN Plus. And UFC used to be the same. It used to be all within their own thing. And then they started... 
you know, now they put their finite cards on ESPN Plus and, you know, they actually do the same exact thing with, you know, you have to have an ESPN Plus subscription then they're buying the pay-per-view, which is also a sham. But, you know, it all, it's all, you know, coming to the forefront now, I feel like, to where it's more accessible. Also comes at a pretty good penny, but it's it's more there. Like, it's it's more easier to be like, oh, I know how to watch it. Like, I know what website to go. Yeah, it's definitely tough. Like, I was on Reddit, right? Um, and someone was saying, oh, my God, I already have, like, four subscriptions to so many different places. I have to buy, got, get another one for Triller just to watch this one fight and probably some Paul brother fight. I was like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I feel bad. <laughs> but that's why yeah. I um, totally legally stream fights. Totally legal. And, you know, just emphasis on the legal part. Yeah, I'll make this name for UFC. I, I would I completely stay in the realm of all legal <laughs> ways to watch these events. Anyway, you also had written down here, Fury versus Anthony Joshua. I know that's a huge deal. Are they moving closer to a date to when that might actually happen? So obviously the pandemic has fucked up like any contractual talks. Um, yeah. Which obviously happened with Fury and Joshua. But thank God, apparently now, according to sources at Dan Raphael, who's one of the best boxing journalists on the planet, um, according to his sources, they actually have written contracts out, um, meaning they have agreed to a deal to a T, to a, to a right? But the lawyers are looking over everything. So this would obviously be the biggest fight in boxing. It's not a question. Undisputed heavyweight champion? Like, that's some shit you'd see in a movie. Come on. Heavyweight champion is the most storied and the most popular weight class in boxing, period. Not up for debate undisputed oh that's like the holy grail of boxing that means you have every single public belt which is okay here we go wba wbc wbo ibf and then inevitably the ring magazine so i think it's the biggest fight that can happen i pray to god it'll happen apparently they don't have a site figured out yet obviously because of the pandemic but if it happens you best believe that that's going to be almost big, as big of a draw as any trailer fight would be because like I said it is the absolute biggest fight you can make it's a mega fight classic mega fight yeah I mean Wilder versus Fury was just as big and or at least like from my eyes like it was huge like I remember you telling me like you need to watch this and my roommate from freshman year as well was like yo we gotta watch this and I don't know how exactly, like, in terms of, you know, what belts Wilder had at the time and what belts Fury had at the time and now, what belts is he carrying over to the Anthony Joshua fight, but at least from, like, what I'm seeing on social media, that, like, yeah, this is huge and heavyweight. I think heavyweight is used in the Creed movies, but I'm sure... I haven't watched Rocky in a while. I'm pretty sure heavyweight was also used in the Rocky movies. Don't quote, don't quote <laughs> me on that. But. Uh, it was it's kind of weird because I don't remember because I haven't watched any movies in a while but you just look at Creed and then you look at Drago's son they're not in the same weight class they're, oh, <laughs> they're yeah. not you just, oh, yeah. just look at them oh, they're yeah. not in the same weight class I, I don't remember a class being mentioned because you know even if I'm a boxing head I try not to pay attention to that in movies because I want to like see the plot um, mm-hmm. I don't want to be too nitpicky even though people will, like absolutely scrounge them for doing something like that but yeah, you just look. Just look at, he's like six <laughs> yeah. three, six four. Michael B. And Jordan just, is like six foot, maybe. Yeah, and just 
the weight difference or at least you know obviously you're supposed to weigh similarly the same but i just i just feel like drago was just so much bigger than michael b jordan in the movie <laughs> And it was which plays, it was hard to kind of avoid that. that that plays into the whole underdog thing which is what creed was supposed to be um but obviously boxing wise it doesn't make sense because it's like if you and me fought right but except yeah. i'm the tall one of the two like it literally is complete yeah. just oh my god but hey i yeah. don't complain it was some good movies yeah they they were well-made movies let's 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 switch over to ufc and this this past weekend, we had Cyril Gaon versus Georgina Rosenstrike on UFC Fight Night. Cyril Gaon ended up coming out with a victory in, in a five-round decision. It was interesting because I felt that while Rosenstrike is known for, you know, really pushing the pace and, you know, really connecting with one hand and that's all it takes for him, he kind of looked really nitpicky in terms of what he wanted to get get like the opportunities he wanted to set up for himself you know Cyril Ghosn is one of the more all-around fighters in the heavyweight division he is now three knockouts three submissions I'm pretty sure off the top of my head he can definitely mix it up and I think whether that got to kind of got in Rosenstrike's head or not is you know debatable but it was interesting to watch because you know especially Rosenstrike's last fight against Junior DeSantis who's a UFC legend Again, really pushed the pace and ended up getting an early early round knockout. It didn't seem like that against Yogan, who's now really putting himself already only eight mixed martial arts fights, really putting himself already in the heavyweight picture that's you know moved around a lot and will move around even more at the end of March when the rematch of Nganu versus Miocic happens. So those are just my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch the fight. But I know the heavyweight division is definitely interesting in the UFC. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Cormier retired, right? Yes. Okay, so I remember him and Miotic were like the two only fighters I followed in the division. But definitely I want to try and watch more UFC fights, as I'm sure you feel about boxing. Yeah, definitely next weekend is a good one, UFC 259, which I'll mention later. But yeah, it's it's interesting all, all the moving parts in the middleweight division. You know, last week we had another heavyweight matchup, Derek Lewis versus Curtis Blades. Derek Lewis ended up getting a knockout after Derek, Curtis Blades shot for a takedown, and Derek Lewis just landed an uppercut, and Curtis Blades went stiff as a board and just fell to the ground. It was a lot. Those are like the knockouts you like kind of enjoy seeing as a fan. Like you know, that's a person who's doing that, and. You know, the same thing happened, I believe it was the last fight night card, Overeem versus Volkov, where the co-main event, Corey Sanhagen, landed a flying knee into Frankie Edgar's head, and Frankie Edgar stiffened up like a board and just fell over. It was, it's scary stuff. Oh, this, this blew my mind. So afterwards, Brett Okamoko did an interview with Frankie Edgar, like a week after, and he's asking him, like, you know, how's your head? And you know, because everyone would, I mean, it was scary, but also super cool as a fan. And Edgar's like, so I sort of like regained, speaking from his words, I sort of regained like consciousness, like right a little bit after he was, he said, he mentioned he was in like the back room and he regained consciousness and there were people around him, obviously, dude just took a knee to the head 
and he's like he said he kind of knew like why or he kind of knew why he was there because he assumed he had just fought that's kind of like makes sense because that's one of the few reasons why you would end up with so many people around you checking on you to make sure you're okay but he did not remember at least within the first hour after he woke up the day who he fought and how long he's been training for the fight the fight was scheduled two months prior so he had basically been working out for this fight two months after and he did not remember who he fought which was scheduled eight weeks prior and when the day was right like right off the bat after he woke up he could not remember which just just blew my mind my man gave him a knee and gave him alzheimer's (laughs) basically and edgar's kind of old he's 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 definitely creeping up there in you know MMA age. I think he's thirty, I believe thirty nine. Jesus, just double check on that. He's been around for a long time. Yep, thirty nine, thirty nine years damn. old. Yeah, yeah. And whether he fights again is totally up in the air at this point. I don't know if that's the best move, especially after a knockout like that, but. It will certainly be a while, nonetheless. That was a couple weeks ago. I'm trying to remember my, my original point. Going back to this week's card, or this past weekend's card. Definitely a lot of pieces are moving around in the middleweight division. Curtis Blades last week. Boca the week before. But it even gets even more interesting, the fact that now, I don't know if you were aware of this, but John Jones, who was the king of lightweight, light heavyweight for the longest time, is now moving up to heavyweight. And Dana White has already said he's going to face the winner of Stipe and Nganu around summertime. So that kind of, you know, shakes everything up because, you know, beforehand when these fights were being scheduled, people thought, okay, this will kind of you know, determine the next person for whoever comes out the fight at the end of March. But now they're gonna have to wait even longer because not only does, not only is another contender, yeah, another title contender is already being named, but the heavyweight division doesn't really move that fast. I mean, the belt was fought three times in the past, like three years, and it was, Steve A and Cormier for their trilogy. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So, you know, if that same rate continues, it will be a while before any of these guys probably probably not until twenty twenty two. If this if the winner of Steve A Nagano fights John Jones in the summertime, which is what they're thinking, and none of those other people will fight for a belt until twenty twenty two. Can kind of say that with confidence. Well, I think just based. Well, I think John Jones is such a draw for the sport. Like me myself, let's say I wasn't trying to get into the UFC that much. If a John Jones fight is on, I'm watching it. He's that much of a draw. So I think obviously the money's there. You know, Mister White is all about that money. Um, <laughs> uh, the sham pay per view and ESPN Plus. Get out of here. But sorry, I, I have my grievances. But um. I think it's such a draw that he's going to make the division go faster. 
So, I mean, obviously, you know, you're more versed in the UFC than I am. But I think, like, from an outsider perspective, I think because I'm an outsider, I'm going to watch this fight because it is John Jones. So I think for that reason, hopefully it was faster, too, because I would love to see Jones fight for a belt. Yeah, and it's interesting because Curtis Blades, before his fight, did an interview with Ariel Hawani, and he was talking about, like, you know, Ariel asked him, like, are you pissed off that John Jones is basically getting, like, a front, like, basically just kicking you out for the front seat and him taking it for, you know, the next title contender? And, you know, Curtis Blades wasn't really that pissed because, you know, that's kind of how the sport goes. It's mainly just for money. And that's kind of most of the fights that they schedule, which I, me personally, I kind of like, like it for sport and not spectacle just because I think at least for like fans who are more into it, they'll still pay to see fights that make more sense that are the ones that should be put on compared to the more amateur fans, which there are unfortunately more of where they'll pay for a McGregor Poirier trilogy, even though it doesn't exactly make sense when you talk about the future of the lightweight division. But that's just, that's my perspective. And, you know, unfortunately it does make sense to an extent that they put on the John Jones fight because he hasn't fought since February of last year. He fought Dominic Reyes and, you know, barely won. I believe he won. I don't want to say split decision, but it was it was close nonetheless, and that kind of what sparked his move up to heavyweight because they're just getting too fast for him, and he's he's barely grazed out some wins, especially against Dominic Reyes. I remember people were there were some people who definitely thought Reyes should have. I don't remember if it was split decision or not, but if it was, then he should have won. If if it was um, unanimous, then more of a sway towards Reyes and John Jones. Just nonetheless, John Jones barely escaped and that kind of sparked his move up to heavyweight because hands are hands are moving too fast for him and he's he's definitely getting up there in age. He's still in his prime nonetheless. I think he can easily compete for the heavyweight belt, regardless of who wins. How much is the the weight It'll, difference? So light heavyweight is two oh five and heavyweight is anywhere from two oh six to 265 oh, okay. so you, you definitely have more yeah every other division is is really strict on their weight but heavyweight is like kind of where you can you know really settle where you want most people settle on the heavier side 250 some people push it to 260 yeah it's the same in boxing it's just i think i forgot shit is it 200 plus i could think it's 200 plus so yeah I mean, it makes sense. I just wonder. I'm just wondering how many pounds he's gonna put on. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the, he's posted some videos, and he is looking huge. I mean, you could you could definitely see him putting on muscle, and he's been working out a lot mainly because he doesn't have a fight scheduled, so he can kind of spend more time putting on the weight. Then, you know, obviously, keeping up your MMA training is is really important. But in terms of, he's definitely focusing putting on weight now and you can really see it the same with Israel Adesanya who perfect transition is mo- is moving up to light heavyweight to become the fifth ever UFC fighter to hold two consecutive belts at the same time Conor McGregor 
Daniel Cormier, Amanda Nunez, and Henry Cejudo are the four who've done it. And he may or may not be the fifth. And while I'm a huge Adesanya fan, as you can see, there he is on my wall. Well, people who are listening don't know that, but sooner or later we'll be on YouTube and you'll be able to see that. Huge fan of Adesanya. This is no walk in the park. I want to make that very clear. I'm not saying Adesanya is going to lose. Let me also make that clear. I want him to win. I think he's going to win. But and everyone who watched his last fight saw at the co-main event when his now opponent fought. Jan Blachowicz is the real deal. I mean, the dude has one punch power, and that's all it took for him to knock to knock out the number one contender at the time, Dominic Reyes, for the light heavyweight belt. It'll be interesting to see how Adesanya just adjusts because, you know, he is putting on muscle. We've seen we've seen photos of him. He's putting on muscle. He's looking big, but he is he. It'll be interesting to see you know after the weight cut and you know, what he looks like, but he's still considered skinny. And while he definitely uses that to his advantage, it's kind of a disadvantage against Blahovich, who, I kid you not, just needs one punch, and you're gone. <laughs> yeah, Adesanya is definitely one of the fighters I love to follow. Um, probably the biggest one. Dude's just a monster. I was watching this interview. Um, don't ask me to fight. You probably know, though. Um he came into the cage saying, I want to die. Like, I am ready to die, yeah. but I'm taking you with me. I, I, I got chills yeah. when he said that. I'm like, oh, oh, my God. Like, ever since yeah. that moment, and I watched the Costa fight, um, which was just an absolute domination. Like, every time he kicked his leg, I felt it, especially when that bruise came up. I'm like, oh, God. But, yeah, I, I obviously, I'm, I don't know much about his opponent, but I think that it's going to be, again, such a draw for the sport. So even if he loses, you know, maybe someone calls for a second fight. And I think, obviously, like you said, I know because I play the UFC game, that playing, that playing, that play, that winning two belts in two different divisions is just absolutely insane. So, you know, obviously I'd love to watch that piece of history live. Yeah, and it's funny because at least for, I know you played three, at least in four, it doesn't even let you hold them at the same time. It makes you pick, which, you know, now that doesn't happen in this case in real life because <laughs> there there is another great transition. Co-made event. We got easily the GOAT in women's pound for pound. Amanda Nunes, um, current double champ, fighting Megan Anderson and is kind of... You know, no disrespect to Megan, but if you look at the betting odds for this fight, I mean, they are huge, and that's rightfully so. I mean, Amanda Nunes is, a guy, in my personal opinion, far and beyond any opponent she has fought recently. You know, while there are some impressive women who who come out as a title contender, they just don't. I mean, Nunes just picks them apart, and, you know, we get to see that again this Saturday against Amanda Nunes, Megan Anderson, the co-main event. I think betting odds. I, I, I got I gotta read you these. It's, <laughs> it can't be as bad as the Chiefs Jets one from a, from the NFL season a few weeks ago. Yeah, that was yeah, that was plus I wanna say two thousand for that, but I think 
I gotta, I gotta find these. Here's Odd Shark. Okay, Megan Anderson is a minus 14, or excuse me, Amanda Nunez is a minus 1,400 favorite. Megan Anderson is a plus 750 underdog. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And this is for, so this is this is actually very interesting. In I was watching an interview with somebody who's like really, really into MMA. This is Megan Anderson's last fight under contract. In the rare chance that she wins, now the featherweight, Women's featherweight is interesting because there are no official rankings, just because not there's not really a whole lot of talent to rank to give like real rankings. So they just kind of, you know, if someone wants to move up from the division below and fight, that's just kind of how it works. This is Megan Anderson's last fight on a UFC contract. Let's say in the rare chance that she wins, I'll. You know, I'm not trying to bash, but I mean, betting odds clearly show, and the and the t the talent between the two clearly shows. She would be a UFC champ with no fights left on her contract. <laughs> yeah, that's really weird. Most never happens. That sounds like something in a video game. Like, if there were other, like, places you can fight, like, I don't know, FCU and CUF, he's like, oh, now you choose your own path, or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Be I'm trying to think of anything, like, remotely close to that, and I just... I mean, she'd be a UFC champ, and she wouldn't even technically be with the UFC she anymore. She's like, it's like... It's like CM Punk still being the WWE champion when he wasn't even on contract because people didn't see Cena as the real champion. Yeah, sort of. Except this would like literally be Except that. it's I not mean, scripted. Would... It's an actual... You actually fight for this. Yeah, and it's also not like, you know, from someone's perspective, like she would be the undisputed women's featherweight champion with no UFC contract at the moment. But it's because it's also... Very interesting because, you know, women's featherweight is so thin that there are that there are literally like no rankings. Like you can go on UFC rankings, and it just says Nunes. It'll just as the champ. Yeah, it doesn't even show Megan Anderson as the number one contender. There's just no list. She just sits there. So people like not only is it interesting because you know there's a rare fight at women's featherweight involving these two but you know a lot of people are thinking you know the end for women's featherweight is coming around and it'll be interesting what happens because you know Nunez currently holds the belt so it would just be weird to you know just take it away from her I think I don't know I think it would have the most I mean me realistic path would have to be until Nunez retired unless Megan Anderson won and then who knows they kind of banished the division then but it's definitely the one on the chopping block it used to be Ben's flyway to then Figueredo entered the picture and I think that's kind of given like a resurgence of life in flyway because it is hard for a man to cut down to 125 pounds <laughs> I mean those people are small in general they're like I think Figueredo's five like four 
yeah, there's small men and they're cutting down to a very low weight. Yeah, I mean, maybe you give her a guaranteed shot at a different class. I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Or or maybe or maybe Danny D- Danny <laughs> Dana White goes out and makes a new television series of just looking for a lightweight woman, not 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 general body. No no no, just the lightweight woman. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. But then, you know, not only is this card super deep in general. I mean, like the prelims have legitimate title contenders on it. I mean, let's let's break this down. Let's play. Does Holden know this name? You say a name, I'll say yes or no. I guarantee you, I'll say no every time. So this is just a preliminary preliminary card with, you know, that's on ESPN. That's that's usually the free thing that they give you. You definitely don't know these names, but Joseph Benavides and Askar Askarov. That sounds Askar Askarov. No, no. Yeah, well, that, so, as mentioned before, flyweight division is really thin, but these are numbers two and three on the preliminary card. Jesus Christ. Like, that's, that's they are the eighth, eighth fight on, on this card, and those are essentially, you know, they just scheduled Figueredo Moreno 2, which ended in a majority draw last time for the summer, I believe, June 12th. But the winner of this fight could easily put themselves in the title contention photo, title contention picture, and that's the eighth fight on this card. I was about to say, and that's like one of the. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, this could this could easily headline a fight night card, but this is the eighth fight on a pay per view card. Like that's how deep this goes. Damn. And the 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 featured prelim is what they call it is Dominic Cruz versus Casey Kennedy. Dominic Cruz. Ring a bell at all? No. <laughs> but... <laughs> That's okay. Uh, WEC, no, WBC. Whoa, whoa, no. Now, now I'm getting... That's boxing. Yep, yep, <laughs> hold on. I, 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 gotta, I, gotta, I gotta fix myself because now I'm getting mixed up. I'm pretty sure it's WEC, which came before UFC when they... I gotta figure this out. <laughs> Just to clarify, he's pretty sure EC. You see, you see. To be fair, maybe if I saw pictures of them, maybe. <laughs> yeah, WEC, WC legend. This is actually his first non-title fight since 2014, and this guy again is on the preliminary card, which is he's actually the sixth fight on this card. Wait, so he's only fought title fights since 2014. Why do they keep giving to them if he keeps losing? Well, actually, so we'll break this down. He... I was saying, I don't know if he kept losing, but like if you keep getting title opportunities, I'm assuming you're just losing back and back. Yeah, so since he's entered the UFC, he's actually only had one non-title fight, and he won... So since 2014, he beat TJ Dillashaw, he beat Faber, then he lost to Garbrandt 2016, then took a four-year layoff, and this was actually the first UFC card I ever watched, May 9th, he fought Henry Cejudo and lost again, and that's when Henry Cejudo retired. So, 
All right. He's only lost his last two, but he is 35. But nonetheless, a legend, and it'll be interesting. Actually, I think it's pretty cool that people will actually be able to watch him on ESPN because they will 100% go over his history and you know the impact he's had on the UFC and WEC. And that, you know, that's on ESPN. You don't have to drop a hundred bucks to watch him fight. And he fights an up and comer, Casey Kennedy, sixteen two, sixteen and two. That'll be a cool fight. Yeah, it's always nice to see the older generation fight the younger. Um, obviously, just subtle disputes between you know some old heads and some newer people. But it's always nice to see like a passing of the torch moment, even if they aren't the top tier guys. It doesn't matter. It's still always fun to see. Yeah, and it's. I think it's also nice that it's always, you know, being, like, mixed up. Like, sometimes the older generation wins, sometimes the younger generation wins. You can kind of, like, pick out those fights, and it's like, this is, you know, at least for, you know, both of these people, per se, like, this is huge if they win. I think those are my favorite fights other than title fights because, you know, there's so much, you know, underlying, you know, things on the line because you know this could be huge for your career if you win as an up and as an up and comer and you know if you're from the older generation you know this shows that you can still fight with the best of the best and here's an example you know i just took out this rising prospect yeah for sure yeah you i still got it that's basically what you're saying I, your, your boy <laughs> still got it <laughs> but then like you said again if the young dude wins that puts him into success oh look he beat this legend granted this legend is not when he was legendary but he's still this legend he can still compete at a high level so it's like if um ryan garcia beat manny pacquiao you know obviously pacquiao isn't the same as he was before but you're still beating manny pacquiao you know so yeah definitely definitely yeah and just to touch on the other fights the third title fight on this code this card Bantamweight belt, Piotr Jan, the champ versus Aljamain Sterling. It's interesting because people, a lot of people have put a knock on Piotr Jan for not fighting any real opponents. He kind of just kind of had a walk in the park to the belt. I don't think so. I think, you know, it takes a lot to put yourself in the title picture, but, you know, he gets that first real test against an undisputed title contender in Aljamain Sterling from Uniondale, New York, hey. I think. Right by me. I think? Right by me. Yes. Yeah, it's probably the Coliseum. Fun fact, Mike Tyson fought the Coliseum in... Shit, I'll put a random year right there. 1991, I believe? Um, yeah, Uniondale. Local place to me. Uh, have some very good friends out there. Great basketball program out there. Um, that'd be dope. Maybe I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, then we also have Islam Makhachev versus Drew Dober, which was scheduled, I believe, 2013. Now they're finally getting the fight. Makhachev, a lot of people like to call this guy the next Habib. Not only does he kind of look like him, I believe they fight out of the same camp, but, you know, he has the record to go with it, 18-1, and one, and this is a real test. You know, he's kind of like borderline, you know, lightweight in terms of, you know, the lightweight picture. There's a lot of moving parts. Uh, there's at least seven people who could right now legitimately fight for the belt you know now with Habib likely moving out but Makachev with this with a win over Dover would really put himself right in that picture as well which you know as crowded as it is you know they're only adding one more 
than Tiago Santos versus Alexander Rakic. Light, lightweight picture. It's also interesting because Izzy's moving up and he kind of, you know, butt in line with Glover Teixeira, who beat Santos, and people thought, okay, Teixeira's next, no question. Then it comes out soon after, Adesanya's moving up, and obviously, you know, card's got to sell, so they put him in front. So that's the main card. I mean, easily down to Santos versus Rockets, you know, that could be on, that could main event a card that we saw last weekend. So nonetheless, I'm super excited. I don't think I've ever been excited for a UFC card since, can't even think. It's it's easily this one. Not only one of my favorite fighters is, is on it, but three title fights and just, I mean, all the way down to the end, to the very beginning of the prelims, you know, from a, from a in-depth fan, you know, there's a lot of good names fighting. Yeah, you love to see depth on a card, and it's not just watching fights to watch them fights. There's actually storylines behind them. Like me, mm-hmm. a casual fan, you're telling me stuff, and like I want to watch these fights now. You know, obviously I don't know all the background, and I'm not googling all the background. If I'm gonna be completely honest, I'll let the announcers tell me. <laughs> but you know, it's something I would definitely watch, and I'm going to watch. Um, even though it starts at ten, I believe Eastern, which is uh, well, I can't even fathom that. But it definitely yeah, sounds that's interesting. That's when the main card starts. Okay. If you want to find, want to watch any of the prelims, those start at five, and then the early prelims, which, yeah, I mean, casual fans, especially with you know depth on a card, can be really nice because the UFC does a great job explaining backgrounds and you know who they fought last, and they they show a lot of old fights and finishes just because, you know, YouTube is also a great spot. I give them a lot of credit. They do post a lot of free fights, and they're usually opponents of who they last fought or maybe the time beforehand so i definitely recommend that for casual fans out there their ufc official youtube channel definitely has a lot of information yeah i like watching i like watching clips you know on instagram too with some big knockouts you know um but i'm trying to get more into the sport where i don't have to see a big highlight just to appreciate it um you know obviously one of my favorite things to see is a complete choke out i mean that's the thing where it's like ooh, oh my god i feel bad for that man but you know, it's like with the boxing. Obviously, it's called the sweet science. That's one of its nicknames. I can appreciate the level of what's actually going on. I want to get to that point through UFC where I see something as simple as a leg kick. Because when Ada Asanya was uh, kicking Costa, I was like, why does he keep doing this? Why does he keep doing this? Like, if I didn't have the announcers on, I would just be confused. So, obviously, there's levels yeah. to it that I don't understand and that I would love to. And especially with, uh, what is it, 259, right? With 259, with mm-hmm. it such being a deep, deep card as you tell me is definitely something i want to check out yeah definitely a lot of big names on there we went over them already but yeah that is i believe you know i don't have anything else to talk about i think we pretty much hit everything nail on the head yeah this is uh it's a pretty uh hip episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's definitely our new favorite word thank you for everyone who listened to the first episode of takedown again i am ethan harley with Holden Velasco. We'll see you next week. Peace.